Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. that you pray with me as I'm praying for us. Um, As I think about the goodness of the Lord and all that he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We get to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. From the rising of the sun. To the going down of the same, he's worthy to be praised. If, uh, if I had 10,000 tongues, I wouldn't be able to tell how good God has been. You know, at some point, um, here's what I would ask you to do. Um, we all have some stuff, some things that um, might be a distraction for us. When we woke up uh, this morning, it was the same thing that was on our mind last night. Amen. Some distractions, some trials, some tribulations. We all have something that is, uh, that, that is troubling us. I'm going to ask that you do some work. I'm going to do some work. You do some work. Amen. Hope Elam, can you push some of those things aside? Can you get to a space and a place where you are present? Amen. And allow the word of God to hit its target. Amen. Because it's so easy to be distracted by stuff, distracted by things. And, and God is here. Amen. I feel his presence this morning. And I just want us to be in the space and the place that we can receive from him. Amen. So this, this morning, um, we are working through this uh, American spirituality as we look at concerning trends. Um, and some of the things that I want to at least get us to think about as a church is that it's easy to... Um, be focused on the latest trend and get to a place where we feel like we have to keep up with the Joneses. We have to start to do stuff that, that really is trendy and is flashy and slick. At the same time, we can't be so, um, so grounded that we can't get beyond tradition, that we can't be get beyond the things that the way we've always done it. So there's a balance between uh, moving as a church with God and following what God would have us do. Amen? So as we look at this, uh, you, you read, you heard the scripture. There's a lot in there. Amen? And there's caution. There's challenge. It's cutting. And so this morning, I just want to get to the word of God because here's what I believe. And I believe that the word of God is our foundation no matter where we are in life. That the word of God, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God is quick. It's it's powerful and it's sharp. It's cutting. So so the word of God is what comes and it'll make us uncomfortable because when it comes, it is doing its work. The Bible says that the word of God is like a double-edged sword. It cuts through soul and spirit. It it cuts through joints and marrow. And when it shows up, it it actually is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. 
So when the word of God is coming forth, it's not just to make us cheerful and comfortable. Sometimes God loves us so much that he has to chastise along his word to do his work. It's 2 Timothy 3 and 16, it says that the word of God is given as an inspiration by God so that there is reproof, correction, and instruction. So Hope Elam, as a church, we've got to allow the word of God to be our foundation, whatever direction that we move. And so as we look at the word of God today, I, I want to be able to look at it in context. I know we have chapter 7, right, and all of the verses read. But if we're going to look at it in context, we've got to look a little before and a little after. And if we look a little before, we understand that in Matthew 5, and we're going to move, Jesus was... Jesus was, was teaching and preaching a sermon to his disciples, preaching to us. He started in chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. Then he moved to chapter 6. And in chapter 6, he begins to explain to us, I think, what I'm calling the principles and precepts of prayer. That in chapter 6, if we move a couple of slides, what we find is Jesus first starts talking about, look, when you give alms, when you give, he said, don't be like hypocrites who blow a trumpet to let everybody know, look what I'm doing. He said, look, they are seeking the glory of God. Don't be like a hypocrite and, and let everybody know what you're trying to do. He said, don't let your left arm do, know what your right arm is doing. He said, just go into your secret place and give. And your heavenly Father will reward you openly. The very next pericope, he speaks of prayer. Listen, listen. In prayer, he says, look, he says, when you pray, Hope Elam, he says, don't be like the hypocrites who stand in the synagogue or go on the corners of the streets so they can pray in public so they can be seen of men. He says, no, enter into your closet, into your space and your place and your secret place. And when you get to that private place, close the door and talk to your God. He says, look, don't use vain repetitions. Don't try to be churchy. Don't try to, like, try to figure out what do you need to do. You are ready in his presence. When you go, he's going to meet you there. Talk to your God. Lay on your face. Open up. He already know what you have need anyway. Listen, um, he goes on, and he says in Matthew 7, he connects prayer again. And by the way, the reason why prayer is so important, because Jesus knew what was coming. He knew that there were some tight places and space. There was challenge that was coming. He's preaching, but he's giving them encouragement that you're going to need to pray. And you're going to need to know how to pray for yourself. Because when life presses down on you, you've got to be able to get a prayer through for yourself. So he connects in Matthew 7. He says to them, look, ask. Ask. And you shall be given. Seek. You're going to find what you're looking for and knock. Don't just tap on the door. Sometimes we've got to put some work in. We've got to knock the door down. We've got to keep pressing through to get our prayer through. When you are squeezed and life has got you pressed in the corner, you can't just kind of tap your way. You've got to knock. Say, God, where are you? <laughs> the principles and the precepts of prayer is important because of what's coming. Jesus, look, when I, was, when, when I was a young man, and this may not be just me, um, I, I thought I was slick. 
I thought I, I thought I could pretty much talk my way out of most stuff. You know, maybe you're here and you have the gift of gab. You know, you figured out, you're good on your feet. They give you one thing, you can go another way, and you can make it all make sense. Slick, smooth. Maybe you're here and, and, and you know, you're not a... You know how to get around the things you don't want to deal with, that you slide. You know, you're a swindler. You know how to figure it out. And, and here's the thing. As long as I tried to be slick and figure out and get the things done that I wanted, my mom and dad already knew the truth. They already knew what I was dealing with because they had been young too. They already saw it. And by the way, the things that you think you're being slick with, God already knows. He sees it. We can't, we can't fool God. We might fool each other. We might come and think that we're slick and make it look like everything in our lives are going just fine. We may come with a mask on and have a reputation that, you know, Brother Brown, why do you always look like everything is going all right? Everything is smooth in your life. And, and you get home and life is a mess. And because you've put on this facade, you can't go to nobody. You can't tell nobody because you've been so slick, so smooth, and now you find yourself stuck. Stuck in a situation you can't go and talk to nobody about. Because you haven't been open and available, slick and stuck. And that's when we get to that space. We need to remember the precepts and the, and the principles of prayer. Listen, as we continue to move forward, here's something that I, there's three things that I really want to draw out of the first part of the pericope. The first part of the text. The way, the warning, and the work. The way, the warning, hope Elam, and the work we got to do. Somebody whisper to your neighbor, just say this, look, help me out. Just say it's tight, but it's right. <laughs> listen, the word of God, listen, um, sometimes the word of God, as it comes, it hits its target, and it is what it is. There is a way. And the way to eternal life, the way that we're all seeking to get to heaven, the way, it's straight. The way is straight. I wish I could stand up here and just say, oh, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever it is you think you're big and bad enough to do. Whatever the crowd is doing is going to be all right. The Bible says, the word of God says that the way is straight. What are you saying? Pastor Brian, what I'm saying is that, that the way to eternal life is the way that says that we've got to come clean as to who we really are. We, listen, Galatians 6, 7 and 10, it says, look, God is not mocked. If we sow to our flesh and the things that we want to do in our fleshly nature, it's going to reap corruption. It's tight, but it's right. But if we sow to our spirit, he says, you'll reap everlasting life. What am I saying? We've got to come clean and see who we are. Close the door. Go to your closet. Shut the door. Go to your God and say, God, here I am. You know everything there is to know about me anyway. Come clean. God says, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where the facade is. Here's where I'm trying to fake it till I make it. Here's where I think I'm smooth and can figure it out. But God, I know I can't fool you. Because, God, I want to enter into heaven. God, I want to get to the promise that you have promised me as a child of God. But i got to enter in, and the way is straight. Come clean. Fall on your face. Recognize that we're all sinners. There's none righteous. No, not one. 
for all of us in the building. God says if we're going to make it in, we've got to find the straight gate. We've got to come clean and confess. We've got to be able to say, God, I know I'm not what I need to be. God, I'm, I'm, I'm working on getting there, but God, right now I need you. God, I need your Holy Spirit to come and to, to quicken my spirit, God, so I don't do the things that I keep doing. That confess that what you're doing, you know. God's saying, look, you got to come clean, confess. Your confession leads to a conversion. Listen, listen, listen. It's not just words. It's not just saying, God, I love you and I want you to come into my... It's saying, God, I'm broken. And God, I'm not, I can't make it in unless you come, God, and you walk with me. God, I need your, your presence in my life because I'm going this way on this path, but I want to go that way. I want to be converted. And maybe you're here, and I know it feels heavy. Uh, it's tight, but it's right because the word of God says to this, we have to have confidence in Calvary. When you accept Christ, you accept his redemption. We accept his restoration. We accept all that he's come to give. And so as a child of God, we got to know the way. And the way is straight. There's restitution for sin. It's called repentance. You know, uh, whenever there was sin prior to Jesus dying at Calvary, there was always the offering up of uh, a first. Uh, uh, there was offering up of blood as a, as a sacrifice. That the priests had to go in the Holy of Holies and on behalf of the people and present a blood sacrifice. Can you accept and know and understand that Jesus Christ died at Calvary and because of his sacrifice, we have the victory in Jesus? Understand, the way is not only straight, it's narrow. It's tight. <laughs> once we enter in, once we accept him, John 14 says that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Once we enter in, we've got to understand that that's the way, but the way is narrow. We've got to walk circumspectly before the Lord. And it's a narrow way. I know, I know. It feels like, well, I'm good. I love people. I love God. And so, you know, he understands. God says we've got to be hedged in. I don't know who this is for. Maybe it's for me. It's a narrow way. What I mean about being hedged in, that means we've got to have some accountability in our lives. When we walk by ourselves, it's so easy to stray. There's no accountability. There's too much. There's too much our eyes pick up. There's too much that our, our flesh wants to be gratified by. We need somebody to hedge us in. We need Jesus on one side. We need the body of Christ on the other side. That even if I would stray, even if I would step out of line, there's accountability that keeps me on the narrow way. The, the problem is we don't want to be, be hedged in because it's, it's uncomfortable. We get cramped by having to do something that we don't want to do, by having to walk narrow and be holy. God says, I'm calling us to be, Hope Elam, a holy place. A place that is, is going against the grain. A place that is going to follow the narrow way and do what God says do. God said, look, it's, when we press on every side, it gets uncomfortable and we're hedged in. Let me, let me help you. For me, and maybe you have your own accountability, but Jesus and God is enough. But just by chance, if I need some accountability, if I need to be hedged in with somebody with some flesh, I think about Natasha Kaiser Brown. 
on one side. I think of Ellie Quentin Christian on the other side. And as I walk the narrow way, I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want to go astray so that they see a dad who don't be about what he talk about. I'm hedged in. Because the way is narrow. And I want to make it, I want to be the example of what it means to walk circumspect. Am I perfect? No. But do I understand that, that there is a responsibility? Yes, and you do too. I'm talking about the way. And I just want you to know it's narrow. It's tight. Listen, not only the way, but God gives us, Jesus gives us a warning. He says, look, there are two, there's two gates. There's the straight gate. There's a wide gate. And then there's a broad way. And I'm talking about broad way or broad way. Because it's the, the wide gate, there's no boundaries. You can just do whatever you want to do. And our carnality, uh, the, the fleshly nature, we say, well, we can, you know, I'm serving. I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You know, and I got everybody fooled that I'm all together. We're all broken. We're all broken. And that's the beauty of the church when we come together because we've spent time, close the closet. And we shut the door. And we go to God and say, God, you know everything. God, fix my heart. I want to love the way you want me to love. God, fix my eyes. I don't want to keep looking at what I'm looking at. God, order my steps in your word. It is the time that we spend with God that allow us to go from being broken to fixed. But he gives a warning. Look, it's one thing if we never knew. It's one thing if he never said there is consequences for our decisions. He tells us there's another gate. And it's wide. In fact, if you go to the next screen, it says this. It says, not only is no boundary, it's comfortable. How comfortable are you in your walk with Christ? Because if you're real comfortable, there's a chance that you're on something that's a little, little bit more wider than being narrow. Because there are some things that ought to, ought to like quicken us. The word of God ought to quicken us. It's tight, but it's right. Don't follow the crowd unless the crowd is going on the narrow way. Life and death is depending on what path you choose. Listen, many travelers are going that way. There's a way of sin and then there's a way of mercy and grace. Can I, right here is a good time to, to let people know we have victory. There's hope in Jesus. I know it's tight, but we have the victory. He's overcome. But as we enter in, he desires that we walk the narrow way and we be aware that there is a a wide gate. It's attractive. It's easy. We're not the only ones. Paul said in Romans 7, the good that I would do, I don't do it. <laughs> the thing I said I'm not going to do anymore, that's what I find myself doing because this flesh, this nature that I was born in, it always wants to be gratified. It's easy. It's comfortable. I don't want to work. But God chastises those he loves. Listen, if you're here this morning, and I know, if you feel like, I got this, and, you know, I have my own truth, that's fine. As long as it lines up with the word of God. David and Bathsheba. David. 
David, the time when kings should be going to battle. And by the way, David was a mighty warrior. It's the same David who took town Goliath. The same David that said Saul has killed his thousands, but David has ten thousand. The same David. Don't know why he didn't go to battle, but what he did do is he stayed back at home. And when you get idle and you're not where you should be, David pierced over his balcony and saw Bathsheba. And David, he might have inquired, but somebody told him, that's Uriah's wife. King David. But he wanted her, so he called for her. David laid with her. David slept with her. She was impregnated. When Uriah got back from the battle, David was like, oh, Lord, I thought I was slick. Now I'm stuck. The, the stuff that we do in the dark will come to light. It just will. We can't fool God. The same David was the David who uh, tried to get Uriah to go and when he come back from the battle, sleep with his wife. The same David that when he didn't do that, he tried to put him on the front line of battle so he would get killed. All the same David. But David had accountability. He had somebody who came to him and wedged him in named Nathan. And in chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan came to him and said, David, you're wrong. You're wrong, David. And maybe you're here right now. And you think, well, what I've done, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know if it can be forgiven. Yes, it can. Well, I don't know, Pastor. I've been, I've been trying to get this right, and I keep falling into the same thing. God says, look, my, my blood shall never lose its power. Right now, in the name of Jesus, whatever it is, you can be set free. And if you believe that, put your hands together. Amen. <laughs> David understood, and so he wrote Psalm 51. And that's David's prayer of forgiveness, of penitence. It was Psalm 51 that David said, God, create in me a clean heart. God, the same David, look, God is able to restore and refresh. God is able. We just got to go to him, shut the door, spend some time, let him work on it, keep the faith. The warning is that there's a wide gate where we got to know how to pray. Not only, Jesus, not only is there um, the way, and it's narrow, it's, it's straight, but he gives us a warning that there's another gate. Come on, the gate of heaven, the gate of hell, how do you want, there's a gate, life and death, but there's also some work. It's the work we have to do. That's why we're here. We want to put in the work individually and collectively. Another way of talking about the straight gate in uh, Dr. Luke in Luke 13, it says that strive to enter in the straight gate. Strive means you've got to struggle. You've got to put in some work. When we strive to enter in, this is important. What are you striving at right now? What is it? Are you putting in work day after day, hour after hour? What are you striving at? Because if it's going to lead to life, that God has given us, keep striving. But if not, put some balance in there and start to wrestle and fight to enter in. We got to struggle. We got to contend for our faith. We can't just go the same way because everybody's doing it because God knows my heart. Yes, He does. And God wants to know your voice. He wants to say, Ask. 
What do you need? Seek it. I'm going to give it to you. Keep banging on the door. Put some work in. Strive. Part of striving, listen, listen. Part of striving is understanding that God wants us to have some skin in the game. Jesus already paid it all. He says once we enter in, then we got to walk narrow. Okay, look, Zacchaeus. How many of you know, wave at me if you know who Zacchaeus is. All right, we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. Oh, Jesus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And tax collectors, they had a bad reputation because they were slick. They were skimming off the top, most of them. Most of them get a bad rap for, for the majority. But he was a tax collector. That they would collect money for the Roman government and, and for taxes, but they would maybe skim a little bit off the top. And they didn't treat people well. Tax collectors were horrible in their reputation. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. But he heard Jesus was coming by. That Jesus was walking along the way. Zacchaeus left his post. He, he left his job and he, he wanted to, to get a glimpse of Jesus. And he found his way to, to Jesus. And when he got there, he had a problem. He had a dilemma. Zacchaeus was short in stature. <laughs> And Jesus was surrounded by a crowd of people, much like this one. And Zacchaeus, he wanted to see Jesus, but he was too short. He couldn't see him, but he's putting in some work. Zacchaeus ran a little bit further ahead, and he climbed a sycamore tree because he knew what direction Jesus was going. And he climbed in the tree hoping that he can hide out because he just wanted to see Jesus. Listen, somebody, I don't know if it's in the balcony, I don't know where it is, somebody came to see Jesus, but you think... You're hiding right now. You're in a space, in a place where you think, yeah, I'm where he's coming by and I'm just going to come. But I don't want nobody to see me. You think you slick and I'm coming by to tell you that Jesus sees you. He sees you. He knew what it took for you to get in your car. He knew what it took for you to press your way through to get here. And now that you've entered in, Jesus says now, he says, Zacchaeus, I see you in the tree. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste right now. Come on down out of that tree. I know there's a crowd of people. I know there's other people who think that they're the most important because they're touching and throwing at me. He said, but I, I see you, Zacchaeus. He said, come on down and make haste. Zacchaeus came down out of that tree, regardless of his reputation, regardless of what he had done, regardless of what he had failed to do. And because they had put that work and Jesus saw him, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, he said, I need to stay at your house tonight. He said, I need to, I need to come spend some time with you. Jesus said, I see you. And so Zacchaeus came down, opened his house, and his whole house got saved. His whole house. I'm saying if you keep pressing, you individually Go into your secret closet, naked and afraid before your Lord. Ask him to show you and deal with whatever the, the issues from your childhood, whatever the issues from your neighborhood, whatever the issues from your brotherhood. Because, you know, people get hurt in the church. Whatever the issue is, he says, go in your closet, close the door. It's tight, but it's right. There's one way. It's straight. 
There's one way, Zacchaeus. It's narrow. I wasn't there to hear the sermon or what he taught in his household, but I got to believe he got to say, look, there's a broad way. But Zacchaeus, he said, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. So I'm saying to somebody, we got to contend. He sees you. Make haste. Right here, right now. God is available. His spirit is strong. The word of God. The word of God is doing its work. And if he's knocking at your door of the heart of your heart, let him in. It's not about me. It's about you and your soul salvation. Somebody needs to know it's tight, (laughs) but it's right. We need, when we're caught between slick and stuck, the principles, the precepts of prayer, of, of time spent with God, being hedged in with other believers, making decisions that's going to lead to life. Because we know when we're about to go down that road. Jesus, we know when we're, there's no doubt in my mind. We're going to get to the next screen, but, but, but let me just say this. It's a sacrifice. Romans 12 it's, and Paul was trying to encourage the church. And, and I read this, I beseech ye, therefore, brother. I'm like, he's begging. He's, he's, he's putting some work in this. I beg of you, my, my, my brethren. He says, present your body a living sacrifice. Like, like it is God who has created us and not we ourselves. We are his and the sheep of his pasture. Present your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit as a living sacrifice. Understand that when we do that, that we're going to be productive. When we present our bodies and we we humble ourselves, there's productivity that's coming. Why do we need to understand the principles and the precepts of prayer? Because there are some false prophets. There's some evilness in this world. There are some slicksters in this world. There are folks who want to lead you down the wrong path. That's why he's saying you've got to be able to have accountability. You, got, you can't do this by yourself. If you are alone, you need to be hedged in. If you're productive, your fruit going to remain. It's going to last. Psalm 1 says to us, blessed, happy. Glad is the man or the woman who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or standeth in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his and her delight is in the law of the Lord, is in the word. And in that word, he meditates day and night. That person will be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. Everything you need, God is going to give it to you. Stay planted in him. Your fruit will remain. God says to us, you're going to be productive, you're going to be planted, and you're going to receive the promise, the promise of eternal life, the promise of of, of heaven that is promised to every believer who stayed the course. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but please get this in your spirit. It's tight, but it's right, but there's hope. Oh, shoot. Tell, Tell your name. It's tight, but it's right. But there's hope. There's hope. If you believe that with all of your being, say it as loud as you could. There's hope. There's hope. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Let us pray. God, we love you. We adore you. God, we need you right now. God, we tired hiding. God, we tired faking it till we make it. God, send me someone who can hedge me in. God, let, the, let me let the person in that you sent me, God, to hold me accountable. God, we thank you, God, for you already know what we have need before we even ask it. But, God, you said ask. God, let us open up our mouths and, God, ask you to fix it. And, God, let us walk in that narrow way over and over and over again. God, let us be a model for our children. Let us be a model for our neighbor. God, it's not whether or not we give. It's the way we give. We don't want to give that we steal your glory. God, it's not that we pray. It's the way we pray. God, we don't want to just be seen of men. God, it's not how we live. It's the way we live. That we want to let our light shine, that you get the glory. God, we pray now. Because we understand prayer changes things. God, let us, be, let us be reminded, even now, like Zacchaeus, even now, there is hope. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.